Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to the Camera Podcast, pubs, pints and people. Hello, everybody. It's the Camera Podcast. We are live in lockdown. I mean, it sounds like we're in a pub somewhere, but actually the reality is, folks, like many of us across the country, we are indeed at home. This is our very undedicated podcast all about pints, pubs and people. So this is the inaugural podcast from the Campaign for Real Ale. We want you to stay connected with the brewing and pubs industry, learn a bit more whilst we're in lockdown, keep up to date with what's going on and just have a bit of fun. We've got some great topics coming up for you. We're going to be speaking to people like Roger Protz about beer writing, learning all about cider and the history behind that and the history of beer making. So there's some great topics coming up. We'll be having really good interviews and today we're going to be learning about the unsung heroes of the beer industry. Should we tell everybody about who we are and where we come from? So I'm Matt Bundy and I'm from the Mid Chilterns branch. I've been a camera member for five, six years now. And I am speaking to you from Berkhamstead, which is a hotbed of real ale. And I, I would say I would probably at my core skill for the podcast is that I'm an amateur cider maker and cider aficionado. So whenever everybody says beer, I'll also be saying and cider. Uh, <laughs> Uh, You're representing that contingency of camera, which is brilliant. (laughs) My name is Ant Fiorillo. I'm from the North Beds branch. Uh, And as you can probably tell by my voice, I ain't from Danny. I am from indeed up in the north. I'm a Manchester lad, but I'm uh, I'm of course now uh, Bedford based. I work down here by day. I work for a travel company and by night and when I'm at the pub, of course, I am a very happy camera member. I've been with a group, if you like, at the club for just over a year after being gifted a membership and I've not looked back since. And I'm Katie Wiles. I actually work at the camera office. I've been there for over five years now, which is starting to (laughs) make me feel quite dated. But I work in the communications team and I love everything to do with beer. So it's a happy, happy job placement for me. So on behalf of all three of us, hello, welcome. And uh, under these very strange and testing circumstances, we hope you enjoy what we've got to offer. Yeah, so this is a little bit strange. We've got a bit of a feeling of deja vu because we've actually recorded the whole series of this podcast <laughs> and, Indeed. Uh, before the lockdown. But obviously the world changed and throughout the old recordings, we were telling people to get down their pub, get down to the beer festivals mm. and lots of events. And we can't use any of that anymore. So now we're, <laughs> we, so we're now very we're, rapidly dated. <laughs> yes, it, it really all. I mean, it was fine that we'll get those hours back at some point, I'm sure. But it was beautiful. There were lots of jokes in the first one as well, which will never, ever see the light of day. So that's. 
We <laughs> spun comedy gold. I, mean, I think it's great that what Matt's trying to do is delicately veil a caveat to say these were absolutely fantastic and all of the jokes would have been amazing and we had something wonderful. This is going to be just as good. Let us read it. <laughs> the good news is that it's not all wasted content. And as Katie's mentioned, we've got lots of interviews that we did prior to being put into lockdown. Mm-hmm. They're still protected. We've got them to share with you. And we've also got plenty of fun and frolics from the archives that we delved into way back when. We're going to continue on where we were. We're going to see what we can use. Obviously, we're not going to be able to say good onto GBBF because unfortunately it's been cancelled this year <laughs> along with 45 other beer festivals between now and June. I never thought in my life that I would have to write a statement about all of the pubs in England being closed. I mean, that that has just blown my mind, really. However, this is where we are and we've still got some really good stuff to chat about. Today, we're going to be talking about the unsung heroes of the beer industry which was really looking at some of the roles in brewing that have absolutely nothing to do with beer making. We've got Ben Watson, who Matt interviewed at Beavertown about being a sensory lead. And we also, our correspondent in the field, Adam Taylor, spoke with Robinson Brewery about their collaboration with Iron Maiden. So we've got those to look forward to. We'll go into the archives. We'll find some interesting little tidbits for you. And hopefully you'll learn a bit more about what the brewing industry looks like from all the different angles absolutely we may all be in lockdown but it doesn't mean that you can't still reach out and say hi to us we have got our twitter still live and active it's camera underscore official use the hashtag podcast if you're listening and want to say yo or get involved or even just share it about a little bit because that's absolutely fine as well we really want to just make sure that we all still pull together we're still all on the campaign as camera members and there's lots going on even Mm. camera itself is adapting isn't it katie you should still consider joining the campaign if you're not a member already at join.camera.org.uk we are doing some great things to support the industry during this time we have launched a campaign called pulling together with SIBA and crowdfunder where our volunteers are putting together lists of all the breweries and pubs and cideries around the country that are offering online delivery or takeaway services so that you can connect and support those local brewers and get some fresh locally made beer during this time we've also launched a virtual pub Hub called the Red On Lion, where you can book a table, have a good video chat with a few friends, and take part in some games. We've also got some tutored tastings coming up. One next week is with master trainer Christine Krein, and she's going to be talking about British beers. We've got one on American brews coming up, Belgian beers. So some really interesting stuff going on and a little virtual community whilst our beloved locals are closed. I had a really good night down the Red On Lion a few days ago. I'm originally from Cumbria. So all my mates from there who are a long way spread across the country and we booked a table and we all sat down and um, it's, a, it's amazing you know how much just that feeling of being in a pub is incredibly important now you know and recreating it brings home the role that pubs have in bringing people together we just felt so much better having just a, a little kind of 30 minute sit down over a virtual pint and just catching up and just feeling like you're in a pub was just a really nice a way to make it feel like things are normal when they're definitely not obviously a big part of this will also be our desert island beer section so let's have very quickly before we launch into the interviews our own little desert island slash lockdown beer or cider what are you guys drinking during lockdown yeah i guess it's interesting because when we asked the people in on the interviews of this desert island beer we were postulating what it would be like to be trapped in a place 
uh, <laughs> with, uh, with, with only a very limited selection of years for company. And now we've been faced with the reality. So can, we can really talk about it. I think my Desert Island beer has come true for me because I said at the time I wanted something from Ulverston Brewery. And they do a lot of Laurel and Hardy themed beers. And they have one called Laughing Gravy, which is absolutely delicious. And I'm lucky that I've got one precious bottle of it left in my uh, in my shed, which I will be bringing out. So it's my lockdown beer and my Desert Island beer. It's come true. Well, it's been an interesting change of events for me in this lockdown life of ours. Because, as you said at the start of the podcast, Katie, we're doing a lot to support our local pubs, cideries and breweries at the minute. And there's one just down the road from us in Amstel called Kelchner Brewery. Those from the area will uh, probably know it. And they've still still been delivering beer and allowing you to order online and collect at the brewery on a Saturday. They've also been giving free beer away. Get this to those that work for the NHS. What absolute heroes. I toddled along, got myself a polypin of After Dark. It's a black IPA and it is magnificent. I have happily been in lockdown in my wardrobe with my polypin. And now here we are recording now. (laughs) And I've done very similarly to you. My local brewery, Leighton Buzzard Brewery, is doing beer delivery straight to your door i've got irish oil 4.5% stout really delicious i drink stout winter summer rain shine any time of the year so that is my lockdown beer at the moment if you're looking to find a brewery or a pub that's offering local takeaway or delivery services just visit camera.org.uk/pullingtogether and we've got a lovely map up there of all the brewery initiatives all the cider initiatives and you can also use what pub which is our pub database online to do a more tailored search for pubs so we've got all those resources online right then let us continue on with the program to the interview that matt did at beaver town brewery this was me pre-lockdown sitting down for a very interesting chat with ben their sensory lead learn and discover Well, hello, I'm sitting down with Ben Watson, who is the sensory lead for the famous Beaver Town Brewery in North London. Ben, thank you so much for talking to me. Thanks for having me, Matt. uh, And you've given me a tour as well of their facility. Yeah, a quick whip around the place. In the inner sanctum. I mean, I I feel like I've been around Willy Wonka's factory. (laughs) It was absolutely fantastic, though. So thank you for that. Um, And now... this episode is all about unsung heroes mm-hmm. uh, doing sort of the, the lesser known jobs and it was a brewery. And I think from your title alone, sensory lead, that sounds like every beer lover's yeah. dream job. So can you tell me what does a sensory lead do? Yeah, I think it sounds probably a bit more glamorous than, uh, you know, the day to day of it. But I guess the simplest way of explaining it is that, you know, we have a quality department here at Beavertown and there's sort of scientific analytical data you can get so you can measure a beer's ABV and you can measure a beer's colour and its bitterness and its pH and those are all really important things that you know a beer product basically has to fit into if you want to keep producing the same beer time and time again but that can only tell you so much then there's a lot of difference of like off flavours and taints in beer or just you know things that are in the wrong place at the wrong time the best way that you can sort of detect them without spending a ridiculous amount of money on very expensive scientific equipment is to basically still use your sense of smell and your sense of it's taste. you you and, are the yeah. you are the scientific so, equipment uh, kind of or at least i'm running a group of people who are the scientific equipment so yeah like it's not just me tasting by myself i'm kind of more in charge of putting on a panel daily selecting which beers go in so that you know beers have to be signed off a package so making sure the right ones are on the panel on the right day and then yeah you, like looking at what people have 
put and see if there's anything there that there shouldn't be and see if the positive side if people are really liking one compared to the other kind of like assessing that data that you're drawing from running a panel of tasters every day and so are you looking for absolute consistency in taste recanning every batch or is there a little bit of leeway you go well if it yeah. tastes good and it's broadly where we're at so you have obviously you know a recipe i guess which is like a brew sheet for mm. beer and it has different levels of malt and different varieties of hops and different varieties of malt and i always sort of use the analogy that if you were to get four people to bake a cake and they all follow the same recipe and they all had the same ingredients there's still going to be subtle differences in the cake and maybe some people wouldn't be able to tell but you know if you, you sat down and you tried them mm-hmm. in a room together you'd probably go well you this one a little bit more sugary than this it's trying to fine-tune our brewers to hit the nail on the head every time and make sure that the recipes are as close to perfection of what they should be mm. as possible i think i would burn the cake yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the so, so tell me, how did you get into it then so i've been at beaver town three years and it's actually my first job in the industry i started out in the packaging department here you know a very important job in a brewery and from that and from like a, a real interest in the beer i moved to more like the brewing side of it and then part of being a brewer here is we went through some training with a company called aroxa or carrot technology so one of the things they do is they provide training to breweries where they basically have singled out the like molecular compounds of different off flavors you get in beer. They basically run a training program for you to taste those and remember them. So it's like an intensive three-day course. And I was really interested in this. And this was before we really had a sensory panel up and running, like off the ground. And I was sort of involved in the early stage of setting one up. It, it, it wasn't sort of professional in any means. It was more just sort of tasting the beer and going, yeah, that's good or like, that's fine for me. So this kind of gave it a lot more structure because you have trained people and they're trained on individual attributes that you're trying to like look out for in beer. And I basically did quite well in that and showed an interest in it. And so they decided to sort of develop a job, I think, around me. We're transitioning at the moment as well to a new brewery, building a brand new site up in Enfield. I think the focus was on sort of making the transition over to that as easy as carefree as possible so Mm. you know a lot of new jobs or ideas were hey let's give it a try and i was kind of lucky enough to sort of right place right time sort of thing i think that is uh, that is good advice to anyone right place right time (laughs) right taste buds though but that's only like the foundations i guess you still need to learn what these flavors are and Mm. like detect them in beer and understand them in you know sometimes if you smell something and it takes you back to a place Mm. that you haven't been for a long time yeah you know that's the sort of same thing that we're doing here. You're wow. trying to remember the compounds, I guess. Playing with memories as well. I'm really interested now. I want to train my senses. Can you tell us about how you train yourself to be better? What are the techniques that you can use to allow yourself to recognise a different taste and mm-hmm. make yourself better at describing and at tasting them? But there is a lot of research out there and examples line and stuff where you can find out if certain beers may have a certain characteristic which actually just falls into this so for example there's a compound called uh, ethyl hexanoate and it's kind of like can be described as like aniseed or red apple and you get it through fermenting beer in like a certain way and some people would say it's desirable in their beer and some people wouldn't but newcastle brown ale is an example of a beer that actually has that and it's part of the flavor profile that they mm. go for in that beer so as soon as you can find out like a little bit of knowledge like that, you can go and go and try the Newcastle Brown Ale and see if you can pick that out. And if you can pick that out, then you know that this is ethyl hexanoate. And then maybe further down the line, you might find that in 
another beer as well. Wow, so you can kind of trace it going through yeah. lots of and different beers. I wow. think there's certain things you can do, almost similar to wine tasting and the way that you smell and taste a beer that can basically give you a head start on like detecting different flavours in it, rather than just sort of drinking it hand to mouth as you would normally. So if you swirl it and you want it to be at about 45 RPM, 45 then, RPM, yeah, is that the, that's the, the critical, same speed as the record. Yeah, okay, just, that, that's a good tip for the listeners. So, um, so watch your record player going round. Yeah, you go and then, home. you know, there's different. So if you do a short, so basically if you travel the beer across your nose and then sort of take it away again, you can get some of the more volatile compounds. Which so you give it kind released. of a shot across the bowels, across yeah, the nose, yeah. and then you give so it like the proper... Flavours like sulphite, sulphur flavours, H2S, sort of rotten egg. These are often found in beer. Some are getting like fresh cast beer as well. It's called like Burton Stench mm, by yes. some people, and that's what yeah. that is. And you get that more if you sort of do a swipe, a drive-by across your nose. It's a drive-by, so you're gonna yeah, start. Yeah. So it's RP, 45 RPM record player speed swirl, mm-hmm. then a drive-by. Drive-by across the nose, the nose. You yeah. Might, and then you should get some sort of volatiles. You might get some H2S on the beer. Then you could go in for a one-second sniff, and then like a two-second sniff you can sort of detect different flavours because some of them are more prominent depending on how deeply you breathe them in. Right. And there's also retronasal smells that we don't think about and that's where you get a different smell that you can't get from breathing in that you get from breathing out. So if you really? drink the beer, sort of swirl it around, swallow it and then breathe out through your nose, you can sometimes detect things that are there that you wouldn't be able to detect from the smelling. Just like inhaling. a final pass on the way yeah. out as a, that, yeah, yeah. wow. You get that, like one of them's phenolic compound, it's called 4EP, and it's kind of like Band-Aid, it's described as, or like Barnyard Funk, and you get it in a lot of, um, <laughs> of Lambics and Belgian style beers, so that's one to look so out for. So it's a Barnyard Funk, that's, yeah, where, yeah, that's yeah. from the Breathe Out. Exactly, that's only in the Breathe Out. Getting like Wild Ciders as well. Interesting. And but there's capsules that help you remind your sense of particular tastes. Is that right? So yeah, they're literally the same sort of like medicinal pill capsules. So they've separated, they put it on like a soluble material and then it's just like this sort of this little powder capsule and you literally just put it off, pour it into say like a litre of beer, make sure it's dissolved and then you can get it. Wow. It just, it's like a free time, the threshold, so it's really strong. Wow, so somebody here has managed to separate out yeah, the different so taste uh, profiles of beer. That's uh, this guy, Dr. Bill Simpson is his name. If you like um, this starter training kit, which has like a number of different flavours, if you really want to sort of learn this or get a taste for it, you can just order them online. If you've got any more advice or tips you can help, just say the average beer drinker. I'm sort of going back to what we are saying about certain off flavours being more common in certain beers than others. You can get quite a lot of a compound called acetaldehyde in cask when it's past its best and that's because of oxidation within the cask so if it's sort of half finished and it's just left on the pump for like a week you can get this compound buildup called acetaldehyde and it's quite prominent it's kind of varnishy in like green apple i'm sure if you smelt it on a not very good cask you would kind of be able to tell mm. maybe you could look out for that and I'll find have a look it. For or that. you could just you know it doesn't matter how good the beer is you could just say oh get a bit of acetaldehyde on this down the pub and i'm sure you know, That's if no one else knew, they'd probably agree with you. Got any tips for anybody who wants to get in this field at all? But, you know, it's just something that, as I said, you can start yourself and then, you know, find out if you're really interested in it. You can buy the capsules. You can, you know, even if it's like homebrewing guides and stuff, they'll have like a basic list of off flavours of beer and their potential causes. You know, you can do that. You can start there and then sort of build up and then 
find some really boring academic papers on uh, Google books and that's <laughs> your boat. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of kind of luck it out and get a job in a brewery like I did. Yeah. Or you can study and there's sort of falls under food science really as like a discipline area. It is a process of science. It's always kind of referred to as like the art and science of brewing. And I think that it's very true. It's based in science. There's a lot of freedom within the brackets of what beer is. And you have that artistic freedom and license to create what you want or like what you think would be a delicious product. And just a final question, though, because I know you've been working on packaging. So if we're talking about sensory, you taste first with the eyes. And obviously the packaging mm-hmm. is a massive part of what Beaver Town, what makes it so distinctive. So how did that come about? How did that identity come about? We started off in a barbecue restaurant. And at that time, our creative director, Nick Dwyer, was a waiter there. He was arts college in London and he basically just you know left a few drawings out that took Logan's eye and then he'd asked him to design like a pump clip for one of the beers that they'd made for the restaurant from there the rest is history. Well I tell you what if we're talking about unsung heroes it's another unsung part of the very the visual identity. Well thank you so much Ben. Learn and discover. Matt, wonderful. You even got some free free drinkies out of that while you were there as well. So, yeah, I bet you came out spinning at 45 RPM. <laughs> yeah, I did. I actually met Ben when I was doing gluten-free beer judging for the Free From Awards. And I met him and I was like, you need to come on the podcast because he tasted a bit of beer and he put a bit on the back of his hand. And when he did, it mixed with the oils on his skin and released this really metallic smell. And that's how he could tell that it was off. And I was just like, I love those little hints and tricks like that, that really kind of teach you how to become an expert beer taster. Absolutely. Well, we certainly wish Ben and the team all the best as they set up at the new brewery. If you've got your own tips, why not send them to us? It's Twitter at camera underscore official. Send your tips. Hashtag podcast. It's all in there. So as part of the Pulling Together campaign, of course, camera talking about the pubs and breweries that are still doing deliveries and Beaver Town are doing that. They're doing some online deliveries if you go onto their website. And then on 4 p.m., this is another thing that's a little bit unusual that they do. They're doing live beer yoga on their Facebook page (laughs) on Fridays. So next up is our volunteer in the field, Adam Taylor, who again before lockdown was privileged to go and speak to David Bremner at Robinson's Brewery. I am super jealous about this because I've been to Robinson's loads of times being a Manchester lad and he went there to speak specifically about the collaboration they did with Iron Maiden. Desert Island Beer. I'm David Bremner. I'm the marketing director at Robinson's Brewery. Been here just about 10 years. I guess we're going to talk a little bit about collaboration with Iron Maiden a bit later, which started about six years ago. So been here not long considering some of the employees you get at a family brewer like Robinson's. So I look after everything from buying beers in to creating our own beers and marketing them to marketing our pubs. I even have the stables fall under me and our two shire horses. So it's a pretty broad remit, shall we say, but you get a lot of that in smaller family companies. So... In terms of Desert Island beers, I think my favourite one of our beers is probably a lager-style beer we, we created last year called Hellas, which has taken us by storm and is now bigger than Stella, Amstel and Heineken in our pub estate, which has done really, That's really great. well. But probably my Desert Island beer would be a Timothy Taylor landlord in the taps in Lytham. would be just about perfect for me. Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> had a pint of that last night and it's, uh, it's a cracking beer when it's on form. 
yeah, it's, it's, it's my favourite. It's my dad's favourite beer, and it's one of those timeless beers that, you know, I'd put Draft Bass up there as well, actually, if you could find it. There's some really good old-school beers, which I just wish people would love a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about the collaboration with Iron Maiden, how it came about. Uh, it wasn't your first collaboration, was it? I believe you uh, did a beer with Elbow before, who are one of my favourite bands. I have to get that home. <laughs> yeah, so the Elbow approached us, God, yes, a few years before that. We got on well with them. Obviously, Manchester based. They used to do some gigs in the castle in Oldham Street in Manchester. So mm. that was kind of the link in. When we met up with them, there wasn't a real beer aficionado in the group. One of them liked ale, one liked lark, one liked Guinness. And we made something that they'd all kind of like. And it did pretty well. Build a Rocket Boys, you know, was the first kind of beer of its style and was doing really, really well when we got approached by Iron Maiden about doing a beer. We initially said no. We were a little bit, well, I initially said no. I said, I guess an ageing rock band meets a sixth generation family brewer from Manchester. You know, the the band's not from Manchester. What's the link? You know, there wasn't an authentic story and we, we kind of weren't really up for it until they then sent us sort of images of Bruce's beer collection and how keen he was on it. And so we agreed that we'd go down to meet them. So myself, Oliver Robinson and our head brewer Martin Weeks went down to London and we took 10 bottles of unlabeled beer and we sat in a dark room with like a typical rock, rock office, I guess. There was like a Jaeger machine. I think, I think there was mirrors everywhere. It was black. <laughs> you know, everybody put their cigars out as soon as he walked in the room wow. to protect his vocal cords. It was quite funny. And then we, we poured the first one and I remember him going, that's full as ESB. And we're like, mm, yeah, that's right. And really? He knew it. Yeah, he well, knew, so he named the beer. The stuff, yeah, he, the second one he went. That's what with six X. And then the third one, I remember him saying, "That's that's your unicorn." And by the time we got to number six, we knew we were doing it. If he didn't know the name of the beer, he knew the hops. He knew the malt. malt. The true story. I mean, you've never seen. I mean, this is the guy that flies a seven three seven, fenced for England. You know, got a, a history doctorate. He's a very very smart bloke, and this is just one of the sort of gifts he had. Really, he knew an awful lot about it. So we left the room knowing we were kind of going to do this. At which point we were. In the, I, get a, I guess a bit of a non-disclosure agreement with them, but I had to let Elbow know that we were going to be doing another one of these, but tried to persuade them that it was in no way a competitive style of music. You know, you couldn't get more different between Iron Maiden and... So, so you tried to keep them both on? We would, have kept, we would have kept both going, but they were kind of insisting that it was just them or no one. So we reluctantly let them go. I think they went to Marston's and lasted about four months. I think uh, Status Quo went down a similar route of... We subsequently got approached by them and said no, so we're working with Iron Maiden. And it didn't work at Marston's either. I think these collaborations kind of only work when you're a brewery of a certain size where this collaboration will be your strike beer. It will be the thing you lead with in sales presentations and the one that makes you famous. Therefore, you love this beer. The downside of that is you're working with a brewery that's only got a small sales force and is quite regional in its strength. So you're tempted to work with a big national brewery like a Marston's who have got all these salespeople all over Britain. The downside is you're not in the top 10 beers they're trying to sell. And so it's a really tricky yeah. knowing who the perfect partner is for this. You've got to work with someone who loves the beer and also has the big sales force. And that seems almost the, the impossible thing. And then finally, you need that authentic story. If Bruce didn't love beer and didn't get involved in every brew, this would just be liquid merchandise. You know, the fans wouldn't buy into it. Nobody would buy into it. Yeah, and that's that's how it is. I've said to people before, you know, the things that make this successful are, A, we love them, but B, they love us, we're the right size for them. C, that authentic story of Bruce loving loving beer. And fourth, being at the time, we called it the purple cow effect. Nobody had ever seen one before. It was a lonely game for a few years. I'm really pleased that Cameron's brought out a beer with Motorhead because actually, you know, we can start to have two of them on the bar and it's a bit more of a, 
a theme than just it being us. What was the next step after that? So we kind of designed the beer on that first day. So the head brewer was there. We kind of left through him knowing the ABV, uh, the style of beer. We knew what we were going to do. Bruce did come up and brew the beer, but in our brew house, that is literally, it's quite an automated process. He wasn't in cleaning vessels and what have you. I suppose the first next big engagement was when we did our trade press launch, or media launch, I should say. And Pete Brown was up here, and lots of other beer journalists and rock journalists came up here. And uh, Bruce decided he wanted to do the brewery tour. So John Robinson of the family had helped design our brewery tours and the script. So he took Bruce and a bunch of people from the top of the brewery down to the bottom of the brewery, word for word, did this brewery tour and then said to Bruce, do you want me to go again and do it? And then Bruce went, no, I think I got this. And literally he then took the same group of people top to bottom and more or less repeated the same brewery tour over 45 minutes word wow. for word and it was like oh my god so that night when all the like the journalists arrived bruce bruce literally walked our brewery floor by floor explaining each of the vessels what they were doing and how they were making the beer so the That's journalists incredible. yeah they lapped it up you know it was such a lovely story and he's been up here dozens of times since then to the point where he often runs competitions to win a brewery tour to our brewery hosted by him and he's turned up here with people that we didn't even we didn't even know he was coming you know we've got when I look at our visitor centre, I would say, I'm going to make a number up here, but maybe 20% of the guests, if you go in there now into the visitor centre, there'll be people in Iron Maiden shirts. 20% of the people that come for brewery tours are Iron Maiden shirts. And when you're just here on a, having a pint or what have you, and in walks Bruce and does a brewery tour, it's like, it's quite good, that sort of thing. They all share it. And then before you know it, you've got more Iron Maiden fans. And we get people coming from Brazil, Canada, you know, Peru, all be- wanting to see the place where this beer gets made. Because mm-hmm. what happens with those guys is they've got 16 million Facebook followers. You don't do anything on a local level. What you realise is everything is global. Everything gets shared. And you can't just do a beer in the UK because the guys in the US want it. And they're probably as vocal as the, as the UK followers or the Swedish followers or the German followers. Trying to coordinate this beer all of a sudden found demand in, I think we're in 54 countries before we knew it. Yeah, suddenly realising about label law, how you're not allowed swords on pump clips in some countries because they're symbols of war. And you're not allowed blood on the face of Eddie in another pump clip. So it was that bit of a challenge. Oh, the whole thing. Like figure all these things out. We learned very, very fast how to get beer around the world. And we've, you know, subsequent gets easier and easier. So now we just give ourselves longer lead time on planning stuff because you realize how tricky it is to get beer through the system in Canada or through the States. We're a step ahead of the curve now, but at the time, you couldn't be more involved in the beer, to be honest with you. And the rest of the band are great too. I mean, they once you're in the tent with those guys, they love you. I mean, when they did their recent album, Book of Souls, they named me and Oliver on the album cover. Special thanks you know to... You know you've made it when, when like Iron Maiden what, How the hell are you on, a, on an album cover with Iron Maiden? You go, and I didn't even know I was either. But once they love you, they love you. You know, Nico, the band's drummer, started the UK's first drum uh, company a few months ago. And, you know, where does he decide to launch his company? But in our visitor centre, he doesn't even drink. So he rocks up, and I find myself at the bar with Nico, Kasabian's drummer, Al-Marie Pub Landlord, and a room full of drummers f- from famous bands all celebrating this drum kit. And then they call me up to the front, and they present us with a, a set of trooper drums, which you can see in our visit made in the UK, the second set off the line. So they're a great company to work with for lots of reasons. Did you ever envisage that it would be as big as it's become? Yeah, I mean, I guess when you look at... The elbow beer, we got to about 1,200 barrels, brewer's barrels being 288 pints. So with this, we got quite quickly to about, I think at its best, it was about 17,000 barrels. Kept the story alive with, we did a bunch of limited editions. We did 666, we did the red and the black. 
Benasaki infused pills now. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I saw when I was researching last night, I saw it and I was like, Benasaki bear? Benasaki infused pills, yeah. So you keep the story alive like that. But I think it's at 12 to 15,000 barrels at the minute. We've got a couple of big things coming in 2020. Probably the two I'm most excited about in terms of global appeal. Fear of the dark. I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> but there's lots of stuff going on. The Sarkin Infused Pills is an interesting one because each one of those beers that we subsequently did was Bruce's idea. So Hallowed oh, wow. was inspired from a gig they played in Belgium when he went to a Belgian brewery, met some monks, and then we had to find a way of propagating this Belgian yeast in our brewery, where we'd only ever used our yeast since 1926, to make a Belgian-style beer called Hallowed. Worked really well. Of course, it's a great story, and Bruce is the first one to then do a video and come and do a launch with you and what have you. The trickiest one he gave us was a couple of years ago when he, they played a gig in Japan, and he'd met this sake company, decided a sake-infused pill and it would be a great idea. So he came up with that idea. Yeah, so That's he, incredible. And so it turns out that it's really, really hard to ferment a beer with sake pilsner. So you have to ferment it for the first time and then it gets a secondary fermentation with the sake yeast. So it takes about, I'm going to say, it's four to six weeks. You know, whereas a normal beer would take us two weeks to full fermentation, this stuff ties up vessels for weeks and weeks and weeks. Our lab technicians, I mean, they reckon they've broken the mould on innovation here. There's no flavouring in that whatsoever. It's, it's a physical secondary fermentation. And, and it might be a little bit too clever for its own good, because mm. the thing is, that collaboration is, we're Robinson's Brewery, family brewery, sixth generation. I think if Brewdog did a sake-infused pills, it would fly out. But, yeah. But, do, do people treat those kind of beers a little bit suspiciously when you do them? Or I, I do just, people embrace it? What's the like? It's a bit. It's a bit like we call it dad dancing. You know, like I said, if Beavertown did it or Brewdog did it or Lagunitas did it, you'd kind of go, oh wow, the great thing from a great craft brewer. But when you're a traditional cascale producing brewer, a sake infused pilsner is a little bit. Your sales team aren't used to selling that style of product, and you're not known for it. So it didn't work quite as well. We're still we're still making it, by the way. I mean, in fact, we've just relaunched all six beers in the same gift pack, two per flavour. So we brought them all back. We used to do one per year, but we were getting so many people asking for each of them individually. We've just stuck them in a mixed box. So. How do you marry the idea of a beer that you know, everyone's going to want to drink that encapsulates a rock band, essentially? Yeah, I mean, you'd think it was rock is all about strong ale, you know. To be honest with you, when we did Trooper at 4.7, we got a lot of, you know, it should be stronger, it should be stronger. And we followed that up with a bunch of beers that were around red and black was 6.8% porter, 666 was 6.6%, hallowed was around 6%. In terms of bringing them to life, you know, it's not like we have a team of boffins or, or anything. Well, what we have is, you know, a really creative artist in Bruce who comes up with a a style that he wants to make. You know, we make sure it's complementary to the UK market and overseas market. We make sure key importers get a view of it and give us their feedback. And then the design work is pretty much done by Iron Maiden. In terms of the brand story, you've got to acknowledge it's 95% Iron Maiden and 5% Robinsons. If this, they are such a big story, they're such a relevant story. They're headlining at Download again mm -hmm. this year. So for the second time, we'll have a backstage. You have your beers in yeah, there and... We'll be backstage, we'll have all the VIPs, we're running on pack promotion to win tickets you know camping weekends and what you find is it, it makes supermarket buyers and pubco buyers want to see you so you you actually end up selling a lot of your other beers on the back of opportunity this gave you brilliant thank you very much for joining us desert island beer really really interesting interview for those of you who don't know robinson's actually owns a pub portfolio and we're really pleased because they're doing some amazing things to really support those pubs we've been calling on pub companies to cancel rent for the pubs that they own during the lockdown period to try and ease some of that financial pressure on those pubs so that they can reopen at the end of this lockdown 
And Robinson's was one of the first to actually cancel rent. They did that from the 16th of March. And we want to see all the pub companies doing that. They're also brewing a beer called Gratitude IPA. And when their pubs do reopen, that's going to be available in cask. And a proportion of the money raised is going to go to the NHS, which is just one of those other really good news stories coming out of this crisis. Next, we're going to dive into the archives. This week, we've got the What's Brewing from October 1979. Fortunately, we've not all of the papers in front of us uh, for, for some very good reasons. One, they're precious material that need to stay locked up while we're in lockdown. And two, there was only one copy of them and we're all in three different locations. So we simply couldn't have them. That said, we can certainly give you a good old whistle stop of what we were looking at at the time because we were looking at what's brewing, weren't we, from October 1979. And for this specific episode, it was all about how to keep, believe it or not, a brewery book. What I loved about this was that it was so pedantic, this article about how to make the brewery book itself, tracing the lines on the sheet of paper and hole punching the log book so that you could record successful and unsuccessful recipes. So there was a lot of lot of detail into the actual list making um, rather than even just the what you put into it. Very much an unsung job, I think, in a brewery. Pretty much said step one, make log book. It's a legal requirement. It's useful to learn from your mistakes as well. There were talks about recording not just the successful recipes, but but the unsuccessful ones as well, so that you don't repeat something that tastes absolutely horrendous. As a cider maker, do you do this? I wish I did, to be honest. And now reminding myself of this, I, I think I should do. Do you reckon you'll use an Excel sheet or are you going to hand make the logbook yourself? <laughs> I don't know whether I own a hole punch, but um, I'll have, to <laughs> have a look. But yeah, keeping it, keeping record of it is important, particularly in cider making where... That's because it's so variable because you've got so many, even, even from one tree, you can have some variations on the apples year by year. So trial and error, it's a good idea to keep a record of it. I think what was great about it as well is there was advice for home brewers. There was no social media in 1979, that's for sure. So these tips would have been really useful for those people that were buying into the home brewing world. And now that we're in lockdown, you know, we're looking to learn a new skill, aren't we? And if you're interested in real ale, why not actually give the art of storing and keeping and serving real ale a go? And Camera have got the answer. They've got a new book, which is called Salomon Ship, and it's all about the art and science of storing and serving real ale. So I reckon that's the perfect lockdown book. Brush up on a new skill that will be useful. It's available on the Camera shop at shop.camera.org.uk. Or you can actually win yourself a free copy by leaving us a review on Apple or Spotify. If you just leave us a review and drop us an email on podcast.camera.org.uk, linking to that review so we know who you are, we can get your contact details and send five lucky winners out a copy of Sellermanship and you can become an expert Sellerman yourself. So if you're bored in lockdown and you're trying your hand at brewing, keep accurate records, get yourself a copy of this book and let us know how you get on. Remember that Twitter handle, folks camera underscore official hashtag podcast that does bring us almost to the very end of our first episode of the camera podcast we like to finish each of these with something we call last orders 
Last Orders. So as part of Last Orders, we thought we'd like to toast each other and you all out there with something we might have been drinking over the course of the past week, because when are we not drinking lockdown at the moment? So, Ant, what have you been drinking? Well, funnily enough, and it has completely coincidental, by the way, because this week I managed to get a hold of a few different ales and I've been drinking Trooper, would you believe it? (laughs) How very apt. I really like Trooper, it's really nice. Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. So I toast and salute all of you out there and, of course, our NHS and key working uh, people. You're doing a wonderful job. From me, it's Trooper. So I've got a a shed full of treats from past trips away where I've gone on cider tours and some beer tours as well. And I'm kind of working my way through it now. I'm kind of glad that I've built up a bit of a cellar. And I've been drinking (laughs) Guatkin Ciders Yarlington Mill cider, which is a lovely drop. And particularly as it's been nice and sunny, I feel like it's been a nice Mm. cider week. So I salute all of our key workers and our listeners and ourselves with that. So I've been having Duval, a lovely Belgian beer, which has been really, really tasty and got me through the week. So cheers to our listeners, to our pubs and our breweries and the NHS and key workers. Thank you, everyone. We like to end every show with a quote, don't we? I'm going to have a lot of ones from history and famous figures, but I thought I'd do one that you see on lots of pub walls now that we can't see them. And that's a quote from Kinky Friedman, which is, beauty is in the eye of the beer holder. Join us next week. We'll be learning all about beer writing with Roger Protz and Pete Brown. So tune in then. Cheers! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people. That's the numbers 52 in the 52 and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free. So that's 10 unique craft beers. Beer52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month, they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent. So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Durges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia, Poland, Germany, Serbia and Austria, among others. And if dark beer's not your thing, you can choose the light-only case. Also included is the ever-insightful Ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time. So head over to www.beer52, that's the numbers 5 and 2, dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of 10 beers now.